Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any hosts or guests' individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Hi there. Hi there. My name is Dr. Richard Selznick, and I want to welcome you to this, our second show in School Struggles. I'm proud to be a part of the Coffee Clutch team. And on School Struggles, we're going to be talking about a range of topics, including learning disabilities, dyslexia, special education, ADHD, and a whole host of other topics that keep you up at night worrying about your child. Um, The Coffee Clutch is proudly sponsored by Mayor Johnson. And Mayor Johnson, the makers of Board Maker, have recently released an e-catalog featuring hundreds of great products, including several significantly reduced in price. So visit www.mayorjohnson.com. That's M-A-Y-E-R hyphen johnson.com to learn more. Mayor Johnson is a special education super source, so go over and check out their incredible website and their outstanding products. Now, just by way of introduction, my my I'm Richard Selznick, and I'm a child psychologist. I'm the director of the Cooper Learning Center, which is in South Jersey in Voorhees, New Jersey, part of the Department of Pediatrics at Cooper University Healthcare. I am also the author of two books, The Shutdown Learner, Helping Your Academically Discouraged Child, and the more recently published School Struggles, both published by Sentient Publications. And you can find my stuff at www.shutdownlearner.com or follow me on Twitter um, and find Shutdown Learner on Facebook. The books are also available on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Tonight we are talking about ADHD coaching. Last last month we talked with Dr. Michael Goodman, pediatric neurologist, who filled us in on a lot of the medical aspects of ADHD. So t- tonight we're going to go to the other branch, the more non-medical portion of treatment and Christine Robinson is joining us. Christine is an ADD action coach and is a certified ADHD coach and educational consultant and she presents a variety of workshops on parenting skills and parent support groups 
and uh, she she uh, is an experienced educational consultant specializing in IEP development and school placement. And um, I, I recently met Christine in a sense over sharing a case together, and I just found her to be very positively spirited and a lot of fun to work together with. So that's how we got to be working together on this. Christine's also can be found at www.addactioncoach.com. So, Christine, welcome to the show tonight. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for that wonderful introduction, and it's uh, great to be here with you. Thanks. It's my pleasure to have you. So, you know, the the, the goal of School Struggles is, is to try, uh, the, the show, the, the theme of School Struggles is to try and present material to parents and educators in more in down-to-earth terms you know I, I find that so often there's i don't think a week or even a day goes by in my world where parents are just you know coming in in effect pulling their hair out and uh feeling a lot of stress and anxiety over what direction mm-hmm. to go and there's so much confusion in the field so the goal of this series is to try and cut through that and present material to parents in very understandable terms to try and keep things as jargon-free as possible. Mm-hmm. So let's cut through some of the jargon <laughs> at the start and tell us a little bit about this branch of, of ADD, ADHD treatment, and what's involved with coaching. Sure. Um, really, my goal with my clients that have ADHD and, and seek coaching is to help them develop strategies they, that they can use in everyday life to make their life easier, whether it's the parents who may have ADHD or their children. Um, the goal is really to have them lead happier and more balanced lives. And, um, you know, it, in terms of adults, they're coming to me with organizational concerns, time management concerns, maybe problems even at their workplace. And, um, of course, you know, if they're parents of an ADHD child, then they're looking for more of a a parent-centered approach. Okay, so a parent-centered approach. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's primarily what we would be focusing in on tonight. Sure. So give us a feel for how that works. Like what maybe what age range do you think would be appropriate for parents to start thinking that they should seek the services Mm-hmm. of an ADHD coach, ADD coach? Well, I've worked with parents of children as young as four, um, wow. newly diagnosed children, you know, that have had, you know, behavioral issues even at, at preschool, and, of course, um, all the way through college, you know, parents approach mm-hmm. me, um, you know, even about their adult children. But um, certainly, I, you know, I think at any age um, in, in their childhood that they have concerns, and if they've been diagnosed with learning disabilities such as dyslexia, um, you know, if it's associated especially along with ADHD, those children will definitely have, um, you know, specific concerns, whether educational, you know, or at home. Mm-hmm. So, so a parent contacts you, and they will. You know, I know they contact me, and I, you know, I will mm-hmm. typically do an evaluation, and then, mm-hmm. you know, what follows up is often tutoring and possibly some version of counseling or therapy. And I think that I'm doing coaching as well, although I haven't been, haven't mm-hmm. been formally trained as a coach. Sure. So, what, help me understand a little bit more, like the nuts and bolts of what 
you know, like the steps involved and what are, what is in the process of let's say let's take a typical child, let's say nine year old or ten year old who's mm-hmm. you know has been struggling with a lot of the common issues. Right. Um, first, I would certainly meet with the parents, um, read over any testing or reports that they've had from school, um, possibly speak to their teacher or a special education director, you know, if they are on a special ed plan at their school, and really get a sense of what their struggles are. Um, you know, some parents come to me, especially with kids with learning disabilities, um, that their child is overwhelmed with homework, mm-hmm. that it takes hours and hours at home to complete. And many parents aren't aware that if your child has an IEP, which is in an individual um, education plan through special education. So you're education, cutting through the jargon right there. That's yes. very good. You're cutting through the jargon. <laughs> um, like so that. if they have that, they can actually um, request that accommodation for reduced homework because as long as the child is getting exposed to the material, especially in the elementary school years, that's the most important thing, not for them to, you know, be sitting at the dining room or kitchen table for three hours, you know, doing math problems, because that really isn't the goal. So um, really looking at the specific plan that they're on, and then um, if, if, you know, if the problems are more school-based, definitely I would have a lot of interaction with the school personnel with the parents' permission, um, you know, and possibly even observe the child in the classroom, you know, to see... uh, you know what their behavior is like, what their how their learning is taking place, um, whether they're kind of auditory or visual learners, and how the classroom is meeting their needs. So there's there's many different approaches um, to take, just depending you know on where the child is at. And now, then, sir, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, and and then I was just going to say, and then certainly developing strategies at home that will make, you know, the academics a little bit easier and less painful, Um, maybe setting up reward charts for homework, Um, you know, setting timers so, uh, you know, so a little boy or girl isn't, you know, doing homework for hours, you know, really getting a little bit more focused approach around that. Yeah, I was going to say. So, so some of those strategies might include setting timers. Um, I would imagine uh, developing a basic schedule. Is that what you'd be doing with them? Uh, oh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, definitely. Routines. Yes. Yeah. I mean, children with ADHD, you know, really thrive on schedules and routines. So, you know, having them take a short break, um, you know, a snack right after school and and trying to get the homework done right away because doing it, you know, at night at the dinner hour, whether they're eight years old or 15, is definitely a challenge. (laughs) So So you, so you, you subscribe to the homework right away school, huh? Well, it, you know, if at all possible, of course. You know, I'm a boy. I never liked that. It, yeah, it, it's well, it's tough, <laughs> but you know, it's especially as I want they the get older. The first hour it, yeah, <laughs> as they get older with sports and activities, you know, of course, there's going to be, uh, you know, uh, changes of routines, and and you know, they'll have to develop some flexibility around that, but. It's it's I think it's really good to start, especially in the elementary years, of trying to get it done as soon as possible because if the child is taking medication, the medication, you know, is going to kind of tail off and wear off right. as, as right. the day goes by as well. So right. to just you know, keep all of those factors in mind. How do you deal with I'm I'm listening to you 
talk about, you know, the schedule and, you know, I get a lot of, well, I've got soccer. I mean, I know homework right mm-hmm. away, but even so, you know, I've got soccer here and I've got all, I've got a lot of different balls kind of up in the air in terms <laughs> of schedule. I mean, do you, do you start with the parents in terms of laying out their week and what, you know, the portions of time that, you know, where, where their emphasis is, so to speak, the ex- extracurricula? Definitely. I mean, part of the coaching process is for me to ask a lot of questions. You know, I feel especially when I first sit down with parents, that's really all I'm doing. I'm not giving them any information because I have to take all of their information in and kind of process it and, and come up with a plan. So, you know, I'll ask a lot of questions about um, diet. You know, nutrition is extremely important. Sleep, which is unbelievably important to kids, and I don't even think that's talked about enough. Um, You know, their activities. You know, I have met and I've had clients that are in eight different activities, and that is going to be very stressful on a child. So really looking at each part of their life and, you know, and then making a schedule that will make sense for them and something that they'll really thrive in. I've been finding the sleep issues to be tremendous as well, and I'm I'm finding it more and more with, uh, I guess, anyone over 12 years old, 13. I mean, I saw it. See, with my own kids, sometimes my son will fall asleep on the couch and all of a sudden get buzzed by the by his cell phone. I think, oh my god, you know, why don't you <laughs> fall asleep instead of getting buzzed by your cell phone? Um, so, so is that? I mean, I, I would think technology and technology's sort of interruption in all of our lives is a big factor. Is that something you're it's, dealing with? It's becoming a huge factor. Um, I recently, um, you know, had the benefit of going to a seminar on sleep, and this gentleman gave uh, some great statistics that children over the age of twelve should be getting between nine and a half and 10 or 10 and a half hours of sleep per wow. day. Yeah. And, and, I and essentially a, non-interrupted, right? He's saying effectively uh, yes. non-interrupted sleep. De- definitely. And um, I happen to be in a room with a lot of 7th graders and their parents, and one person, I think there was about 30, 35 people in this room at the time, one student, one 13-year-old raised their hand and said that they were getting that amount of sleep. And... Um, you know, it, it it absolutely makes ADHD symptoms worse. I, I can <laughs> say that without a doubt. Because so how 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 do you get? You know, what I find all a lot. I mean, I think I you know I certainly utilize what I would hope would be my <laughs> personality to try to get the kid to buy in, and mm-hmm. that's face to face. But how, I mean, I know you're very positive, which I, I think is great. But there must be times where kids there's some pushback and some resistance mm-hmm. and I, you know well i can't go to sleep without my cell phone or i can't go to sleep without the tv on and the cell phone so how do you deal with some of the more common re- I mean, resistance points because i would think that buy-in not you know parent buy-in is one thing but how do you get kid buy-in what do you, what's your methods of doing that well, I really think it's information. I mean, you can find so much information on all of the things we're talking about, obviously, on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would I would make a deal with the teenager and say, okay, let's just, you know, put the cell phone, let's charge it downstairs for a week. 
and I really oh, no, want to. Not, not for a week. Yeah, because I no. want to see how you feel, and if you really feel better in the morning, if you feel more rested, and I can guarantee that they will, because you know. And the texts that they're going to get at 12.30 at night from their friends saying, LOL, it's just not right. really productive. Right. Um, but, some, I mean, definitely starting this early. You know, Early meaning what? What does that well, mean? Well, early? early meaning like whenever they're getting their first cell phone is to start, right. you know, uh, designing these habits. Because um, one of the things that I bring up to every parent I meet with is to keep technology out of the bedroom and keep it out completely. Right, Laptop. we had in our our house had a we, we by by design. I don't know if it was by design or it just happened, but my kids' two bedrooms were really boring. There was nothing going on, and you know there was just not much <laughs> happening there. Right, and they had to come out and. And go, and it became something that I used to talk about in parent workshops. I'd say, you know, create really boring bedrooms. I mean, parents spend all they they do backflips to to make it like you know wings of Toys R Us. And I'm like, well, make yes. the room boring. You know, <laughs> they have to come out. They have to come downstairs, right? You know. Oh well, because you know it is the, the development of their social skills. I mean, obviously, right. we all see kids walking around, you know, texting, but um, that is a way you know, to get them um, with the family away from their phones to some degree or whatever devices they're using, iPads or whatever. But if you set that early and you just make it a rule, I mean, it's just like a non-issue that all technology is going to stay downstairs or in the living room or in the den, you know, then you can obviously see what they're looking at on the Internet too, which is extremely important. I, I, I think the word structure and rules comes mm-hmm. up all the time in this ADD, ADHD world. That I mean, I've been to tons of conferences. I've mm-hmm. been with Dr. Hallowell and Dr. Barkley and all, all of them, mm-hmm. and I hear about structure. But there also must be a balance, and I, I sometimes find parents taking this a little too hard. You know, they want it really, you know, almost becomes militaristic, you know. Well, you know, Dr. Selzer said the rules have to be in place. And I'm like, nah. yeah. I, wasn't, I didn't quite mean that. I mean... You know, I don't right. think I think rigid is a problem too, don't you think? Oh, oh yeah. I I mean, I think there has to be a balance. Um, you know, keeping that starting that balance is tricky because you do have to give the child freedom. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the stakes are pretty low when they're 8 or 9 and and they're only going to get bigger as they get older. But you mean like when the driving licenses come into play? And yeah, so, yeah, so you have to give them some freedom to to some degree. I mean, obviously it can be supervised freedom on the Internet when they're 10. And, you know, you can set those parental controls in place and things like that. But, you know, in my opinion, if a child really wants to get around one of those things, they probably will figure out how to do it. So I think it's better to be, you know, very honest with your child pretty early about some of the things they might see on the Internet. Um, You know, that's being talked about a lot. It's happened in both of my child's schools at one time or another where they had to have talks about inappropriate use of the Internet. (laughs) Right. And and of course my clients, but but personally, you know, both of my kids' schools have had uh, issues with that. So I think it's it's really better to be upfront and have pretty open conversations early on, um, because you're arming them with knowledge, 
and you're not holding back and waiting until they're 14 and then they find, you know, what they're going to find on the Internet. And I guess you also <laughs> have to deal with parental, um, you know, I, the expression you live by the sword, you die by the sword, so to speak, where, mm -hmm. you, where you know, if the parents... I don't know. They have to set their own tone and limit themselves a bit as well mm -hmm. because I would imagine that many ADHD kids have ADD parents or parents that are on yeah. a little too much on their own technology, so they have to sort of set the tone themselves a bit, right, and shut things down and, and create oh, their own rituals. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many parents have... Um you know, discovered their own ADHD through their child's diagnoses, you know, over the years I've been doing this. And it's it's been extremely helpful to them to be able to get the help that they need, um, whether it's medication, coaching, therapy, um, and, you know, really kind of grow along with their ADHD child. So, what, what is, um, what, how do you see the major difference between, say, something like therapy you know, when, when a per, child, either child or family is going in for therapy and ADHD or ADD coaching, what, what do you see as the biggest differences between the two? Sure. Um, well, first, many of my adult clients and, um, you know, some of my uh, teens are definitely in therapy and also, um, you know, engaged in the coaching process. Um, but, you know, a therapist really focuses on, you know, painful feelings, um, negative, you know, or self-defeating beliefs or behaviors, um, you know, and, and a coach doesn't really get involved with, like, the emotional and, and really cognitive piece as much. Um, of course, there are behaviors, and especially in working with parents, you know, we're dealing with behavior um, issues possibly of, of some younger children. But, um but, you know, coaches are not treating depression, anxiety, you know, personality disorders or addictions, you know, things like that. But Too bad. Often, I was going to call you. Yeah. <laughs> just, just joking. Well, just you. joking. I'm trying but, to keep it light. But, I, um, but certainly I speak to therapists a lot, um, psychiatrists, you know, often, um, because right. I think it's a really good idea to keep uh, those lines of communication open and, and you know, really make the process the best that we can for our client. And um, so that that usually works out quite well. Do you, do you run into, um, you know, many, many of your parents, I believe, are coming to you as well from a distance where you might do things either over the phone or through Skype or email. Is that correct? Uh, right. Oh, definitely. Yes. I I live and work outside of Boston, but I'm um, associated also with the Hallowell Center in New York City, where I coach adults um, via Skype or the phone, and I I also have um, some educational clients, you know, in the tri-state area. But I've really I've done my work all over the country, where I've had clients in in Ireland, um, California. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, many, many states. So, so much can be done. And even working with school systems, um, working remotely is quite effective, in my opinion. Um, can you walk me through that a little bit? I think that people would be very interested in how that could work remotely, because I'm picturing people coming into my office and mm -hmm. sitting in front of me, and we're, you know, everything's sort of live and, and, and happening. How does that work either with these other mediums, you know? 
Sure. Um, well, I'll just I'll give you an example. If if a parent comes to me, um, you know, possibly concerned that her her child is not getting the appropriate special education services at school, so usually I'll have you know maybe a half an hour phone conversation. I'll ask her to send all the reports, the report cards, the testing, the actual individual education plan that that he or she already may have. Um, I'll get all of that via email you know, read everything over thoroughly, then um, speak to her again, you know, in terms of what what the child, what she thinks the child needs and then, of course, what I think the child would benefit from. And then um, the mom or dad would give permission for me to speak to the special ed director, the principal, whomever at their local school, and we would have a conversation, um, re- you know, regarding the child's academic performance, their IEP development, um, whatever the concern is. And I feel it works because I have kind of a free access to them Mm -hmm. because they know I'm not going to be showing up at their door for a meeting in an hour. It's it's usually quite easy to arrange a phone meeting. Um, You might have like a conference call meeting with a key school person. Maybe the parent could be in the room as well at the same time, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I've dialed in two IEP development meetings, team meetings, you know, where I'm just on the phone listening to everyone talk and then I give my perspective and you know, we'll design an IEP right there. So it's it's actually quite easy, and um, you know, it's 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 worked and it's been really effective. So because in some states and some cities, you know, there there aren't you know a lot of people trained in special education advocacy. So um, you know, sometimes I have to go on different states' websites to make sure that I'm up to date on their laws in their state, but. Um, you know, most of them are similar, so it's it's not too hard to vet out. You know, once I kind of get in the process. And what about high now? High school age, obviously, because now the term comes up a lot. Um, executive function—that's a, a term that is tossed around these days—and I try to explain that to parents that I work with that it's almost like the per, the child or the person has a kind of floppy rudder, you know, that's not steering their boat, so to speak, very well. Um, you know, the lacking kind of organization skills and not getting started on tasks. So how do, does that come up a lot with, with your work? It comes up a lot, especially with girls that haven't been diagnosed early with ADD. Um, it often will, will, you know, pop up in high school when the demands get more, um, the organization becomes very much important in terms of, you know, planning or writing papers, um, you know, uh, just figuring out when, you know, different assignments are due, all of those things. Um, so that comes up a lot, uh, you know, more it's and more It's funny you the girls. I, I, I find it so much with the boys. The boys are just so brutally disorganized. Oh, I mean, in oh, terms oh of, no. Yeah, but know, they are. But, but usually, Richard, I mean, f- from my experience, they're they're kind of discovered earlier in the process. Oh, you know, I see maybe, what you're saying, Maybe yeah, third yeah. or fourth grade where right. some of the girls, because <laughs> right. they're quiet, you know, maybe their impulsivity rates are down. You know, they're just mm-hmm. kind of quiet, staying in the background, and then... Right, you know, hiding in the wings. It, yes, <laughs> right. right. So, right. Um, but, you know, and sometimes it is difficult to convince 
a school district whose, you know, budgets are limited and they only have a certain amount of resources to get that child with, you know, the executive functioning issues help. Um, but it is often possible, you know, if it's a, it's affecting them making, you know, uh, progress, you know, in their school day. Sometimes, you know, you can either get an individual education plan, you know, through special ed, or a 504 plan, which is really designed um, to protect children that have attention deficit to, um, you know, get certain accommodations, like sitting in the front of the classroom or having a little bit of extra time on tests or having their tests taken outside of the classroom. So that Right, can- right. Do you, do you find yourself, you know, working with the child himself or herself to come up with? Because I find sometimes the 504 plans, would, you know, which is the plans that are used for developing accommodations with mostly with ADHD kids in school. ADHD right. Kids, do you find sometimes that they're a little boilerplate-ish, if you know what I mean, that they're kind of templated? And I'm trying, I would yeah. like to see much more where it's really developed for the child and, and what, truly what that child needs you know do you do you try to do that really hone in on specifically that accommodation that would work for them uh, yeah and even um getting them into an academic support center it may not be uh you know with special educators but trained teachers of course so they will have maybe an extra period of a day to organize themselves or to get started on their homework or work with the teacher on you know, a harder project, or just get mm-hmm. clarification on their assignments. So, right. you know, even that really helps. And, but and I think, you know, designing yes, it for the child is, is the most important thing. And and, and I do work with teens as well. Yeah, and if you're, if you're the, what about the classic, you know, the boy thing I hear a lot, you know, 10, 12-year-old mm-hmm. boy, well, I did my homework. I did it. I just, you know, I don't know what happened to it. You know, you hear that over and over again. And I can't imagine that the boy leaves the house and says, well, I remember Miss Christine told me to put my homework in this folder. And well, that, I will then, what... you know, because, I, I mean, they never listen to me. Why are they listening to you? You know, I mean, no, I'm, I'm, no. I'm joking, but yeah, what, is, what do you do know. to... You know, what do you do to get the kid, this boy who could, you know, he's he's all over the map to get his homework in with the way he's supposed to? How do you deal with that? Well, usually, um, the I mean, the parents are going to be key here. So a system has to be developed where they're yeah. going to check, the blue folder, you know, the, right, the yeah, red yeah. folder, the blue right. folder every night right. to make sure it's in. Now, of course, right. that's not going to ensure that it's going to end up in the little teacher's cubby, you know, in the morning where all the homework right. goes and where all the other kids are putting it. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a few kind of checks and balances that, that could right. be used. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have an assistant teacher in the room, the, the mom or dad can go and speak to them and speak to the head teacher and try to really, you know, just get him into the habit of as soon as he takes his coat off to then, you know, put the folder in with, with everyone else. But, you know, a strategy is, and I say this to younger kids as well as teens, look around you and see what the other kids are doing. <laughs> and yeah. I, know, I know. remember that, yeah, being shocked when we were seeing everybody when I was very, you know, very immature ninth grader looking around, oh, my God, these people are taking out all these assignment books and writing things down. I was sitting there with, like, my thumb in my mouth, like, oh, I better do something, you know, do something right. constructive, you know. Right. Watch, so, watch, you know, follow this person, do what they're doing, you know. 
Yeah, but but a lot of teens have that. You know, I've I've worked yeah. with clients that have you know, do their homework and then they don't hand it in, and they get they get zeros. It, you know? I, it boggles my mind every time I hear it. I mean, I, the kid swears he's done it, and I'm like, well, so what? What did you do with it? Where did it go? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, wow. It's mind-boggling. How about college age? I was talking to one of my favorite college kids today, and he—I had him track me, track through his day to me, you know, just to listen. Yeah, and he wakes up at ten o'clock, and then Mm -hmm. he goes on Facebook for an hour, and they play some video games, and then YouTube, and maybe by ten o'clock at night, he started something that he calls homework. You know, he goes to school locally. Now we're talking. That would seem to me to be an ideal client. On the other hand, I, I mean, I've known this person for many years, and I don't seem to be making much of a dent in terms of you know, his organization or task initiation. Um, how do you handle this? Kind of, I mean, again, buy-in. I mean, now you're talking about a young adult, right. pretty well, ADD, I, you know, got to play, well, I, gotta play <laughs> you know, video games. Well, I I think at that point, because they're certainly old enough to be, you know, to be in a coaching relationship, is to Mm -hmm. really hone in on their strengths and weaknesses and their short and long-term goals. So, you know, oftentimes I I have a whole questionnaire. I give my kind of, you know, older high school, college, and and obviously adult clients um, where, you know, we're really trying to figure out their priorities what do they really want to change? You know, what are they maybe just tolerating in their life? You know, he might be tolerating getting D's or C's when he could be an A or a B student. So um, focusing on those things and really trying to then put steps in place to get him in the right direction. Now, obviously, this is going to take a little time. Right. Um, you know, and it's going to take work. Right. And I always tell my clients, you know, up front that this is going to be work. Um, you know, to change habits in adults, I would say typically takes at least seven weeks. You know, to start kind of making a dent in things. So, you know, I I, I would start yeah. there, and but really get in touch with his his goals and and what he wants to change. Yeah, I think it was a revelation to him when I went through the day and I said. You know, because he was sort of saying how hard a certain class was and, you know, and then we we went through his day and I said, well, I bet you this day is, he he just did one day. And I said, well, let's multiply this by 30 days. So this represents your month. And he Mm -hmm. didn't argue with me. He didn't say, well, no, this wasn't representative of how he spends his time. He was like, yep, this is what I do. I'm not doing much. And it was to him, it was like when you put it down on paper like that, to kind of see how much of it was spent in totally non-academic efforts. Yeah, you know, and, and, and tip, yeah, and that's a great point because typically I do have my clients do that for at least three days in a week, mm-hmm. where, where they're writing, you know, what they're doing right. each hour by the hour. Right, exactly, each hour. <laughs> right, right. Tell me everything you're doing. And they're like, everything? Really? You want to know everything? I'm like, yeah, well, oh. tell me everything. Right, and well, I, I also do like if my adult clients are, um, you know, having financial issues, have, you know, document everything that they're spending every day. So it, it's the whole tracking structure, everything that we've been, you know, kind of going over. <laughs> but it's really helpful because it, it does bring a new, um, you know, heightened sense of of what people are doing with their time. 
you know, in the, we, we're starting to run out of time. If we, being aware of time management yes. now that we're talking about, I'm trying to manage time here <laughs> and keep track of it. So in the, in the somewhat in the time that we have left, mm-hmm. is, are there top, I don't know, five strategies, say, that, you, you know, you could recommend to parents that are listening who want to say, okay, that's great. Uh, you know, in the top five things that you think would be helpful in terms from an, from your perspective and working with you know our our typical clients, what they what these strategies would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, just time that you know are there typical things you know the routines and the you know develop a routine and get your homework you know what are the top tips that you give parents all the time yeah well i think you know definitely all the high tech gadgetry is right. just i'm getting you know questions so reduce and, that so number one reduce high tech yeah. gadgetry a bit right is that what you're yeah saying? And, and again you know having some flexibility but mm-hmm. definitely setting parameters and like what you said, Richard, before about being a role model. I mean, if a, if a mom or dad has their head in their iPhone all the time, mm-hmm. I mean, the child's going to do that, whether they're 6, whether they're 10, or whether they're 15. So I think that we have to really be hypersensitive as parents and adults, okay. you know, about you know, sure. we all have to work. Our, we all have to yeah. be on our email from time to time. But, but to you know, to really make eye contact, um, and I and I do see this. You know, just being out in the public, um, in stores where moms are together, oh. they're always checking their phone. Or a family that I see at a restaurant, and they're all looking down. Yeah, I, I see it in the when I go out to now to say hello to the kids in the waiting room, and you know, families, the kid barely is like. Who is this annoying person that wants to say hello to me? Why does you know I'm playing my game here? Please don't interrupt me. You know, I mean, I, he doesn't say that, of course, but that's what I the, the impression I get. You know, they don't right. look up. There's no eye contact. That kind of yeah. Thing. So I think so. You're saying reduce that. That's a good tip. All right. What's give me another one? What's another right? One? Um, I think to sleep. You know, yeah. and also yeah. you can keep asleep. Log. I mean, once we get mm-hmm. the high tech gadgetry out of the bedrooms, then you can really look to see, you know, mm-hmm. how much your six year old is sleeping or how much your sixteen year old is sleeping, and yeah. um, you know, just kind of monitor, you know, the kind of the behavior and see if you see any changes, mm-hmm. um, because I think you will. It, even if they get an hour more a night, it's it's going to affect how they feel, how they perform at school to some degree. You know, it's it's going to make a big impact. Um, you know, just I think you know, really having downtime with your kids and um, limit the activities. You want to hone in on their strengths. You want to have them do what they love to do. But if it's between three activities or two activities or one, I would take the least amount because. Every child needs downtime, and kids with with ADD do need that as well. Um, exercise. I might extremely, get them outside a little. Yeah, bit Yeah, exercise too, you know, is extremely right. important, but not right. every activity has to be a structured one. Right. Because you know, I think our whole society has gone to, you know, everything needs to be a structured play date, or you know, yeah. everyone has to be on a soccer team. 
you know, to be happy. And, you know, and everything's so adult-steered, you know. What the kids just play on their own without adult interference, I think that, that is a, a big factor, too. Don't I, you know, I, that do. I would think that would help a lot of these kids. Just let them, let them play for a while. Let them be. And, and in terms of teens, I think, you know, the... The word is out there that teens don't want to spend time with their parents, but all the research shows that they do, and that's what they remember. You know, there have been surveys that I've read that, you know, kids in their 20s, um, they look back and say, you know, what are what are your best memories? And it's it's yeah. the time that they spent with their families and with their parents, you know, not how many soccer games they went to or how late yeah, they were on I, the lacrosse field every night. I, I would agree with that. I try to work with to help parents to reduce, you know, I, I said it to some parents yesterday to try, especially the dads, sometimes the dads, from my point of view, need a lot more coaching, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, because they're playing the same tapes from their childhood. So if their father was yelling at them, they need, you know, they, I, I need to try to get the parents, look, just build, you know, build something together. Go, you know, don't, don't talk about homework. Don't talk about school. Just have some time together you and the you and your child and and trying to get parents to understand that and not to be nagging or critical about about things i would think that especially with the add kids they're pulling for this kind of negative attention yeah and, and because they're always being told of what they can't do or what they're not good at and i and i really do think that honing in on what they're good at the whole strengths based approach whether you're an adult with add or, you know, a teenager, it, it's so important to focus on what you're good at. Because Christine, I, I work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andrew. Sorry. Yeah. So, no, I'm sorry, um, So, and, and really look at that because with adult clients, I do find that many of them see careers that are mm-hmm. very difficult. It's almost like they're trying to improve what they had difficulty with when they're right. good at these other five things that it would be easier, they would be feel more successful. And, um, you know, if, if they're struggling in math, you know, and they have a choice whether to take math their senior year or not, I would take a, something that, you know, I would suggest that they take a course that they want to take and that they'll yep. enjoy and that they'll, they'll excel at and not think about, oh, my gosh, what college am I going to get into? Right. Because they'll they'll get into a good college, you know. Most of these yeah, kids are very, find a very college. bright. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you're making so many great points. I wish we could talk more. We're about at the end of our time, and I, you know, Chris, sure. Christine, you've been great, and so many. I told I told everyone you were a very positively spirited person, and you are, and you're very can do in your approach, which is you know, it's 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 really nice to hear. Um, for those who want to get a hold of Christine, she's at ADD Action Coach. Dot com. Um, so I want to thank you, Christine. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Oh, you too, Richard. And thank you so much. Thanks. And you know, I want, my next month's guests are going to. It's going to be an interesting show where we're going to be talking to three parents, kind of a panel of parents who are going to be talking about dyslexia in their children. Two of them, Wendy Ramos and Rachel Catalano, are part of the Wishes of Literacy, which is a kind of advocacy group on my hometown of Staten Island, New York, and Andy Kavulik, a parent that I know in South Jersey, who's part of the grassroots movement of Decoding Dyslexia NJ, Decoding Dyslexia New Jersey. So that should be a very interesting show. So I want to um, invite you to visit my website at www.shutdownlearner.com. 
and be sure and visit the Coffee Clutch. That's www.thecoffeeclutch, all one word. That's K-L-A-T-C-H dot com. And remember to support Mayor Johnson at www.mayorjohnson.com. And we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of School Struggles, the place you come to for down-to-earth, no-nonsense, plain language talk about your child. And we will see you we will see you next month. Thank you. Take care. Good night. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.